0: We just love. Well, you just turn your heart towards Him, Jesus? We love you. Mm. <laughs> you stir our hearts toward you, and this morning, God, from the beginning until now, You've been stirring our hearts. You opened up the service. Shagoon opened up, talking of peace, <laughs> the Prince of Peace that comes. That we we bring our petitions to You. We continually bring our requests to You, and that when we do that, peace comes. And Lord, I know that today you want to bring your peace into this house. And so, God, I ask that even now you will begin to manifest the presence of peace here. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't really have a sermon. I feel like it's a prophetic word. So if you open to Judges chapter 6, we're going to start there. I may teach some through it but mainly i want to impart an idea a thought and how many remember the story of gideon a couple of people remember gideon what do we remember about that story anyone he was hiding he was he had an he had an army what else anything else about gideon yeah He was the least of his tribe, all these things. God gave him an army and then whittled the army down. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, God, I'm the least of my tribes, and you gave me a decent sized army and then you whittled it down on me. You know, this whole story. Um, But the reason that we we see the story of Gideon is because the Israelites were being oppressed. Everyone say oppressed. oppressed. They were being tormented by all of their enemies. And we're going to read about it here in just a moment, but I want to set this backdrop. Every time the Israelites made progress, their enemies would come in and undo it. Every single time. The Israelites would make progress. The enemy would come in and undo what they were doing. So much so that Gideon decides, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hide when I'm working at night when they don't see me. So we've, we've often thought maybe he was fearful, but actually he was being wise. He was being wise. He was being prudent. Um, so Judges chapter 6, and we'll start with verse 1. <clears throat> and I'm going to read through it, and then we're going we're to talk for a second. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They messed up. They didn't obey God. <laughs> they were supposed to do things. He clearly outlined, do this, don't do that, obey this, hear and obey. Remember, uh, the Lord our God is one. Don't have any other gods before me. And what did they do? Every single time they turned around, they would add foreign gods to their life. And they would add idolatry. And so Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And, you know, I don't, let me stop here. I don't want to look back at them and be like, oh, how, how dumb were they? Because idolatry takes on so many different forms, and we're probably the most idolatrous generation that's ever lived on the earth right now. We just don't call them idols because they're not gods. They're things. They're they're entertainment. They're things that we, uh, you know, the old saying, things we have to check with before we obey God. There are things that we've created value system for in our lives that that God didn't tell us to put there. So, so idolatry is not some oh you have a you have a, a Buddha statue in your house or you know Gadesh in your in your entryway when you enter the house to to worship and bring fruit and, and offerings. It's not that kind of idolatry that we're seeing right now. It's a much more subtle worldliness, a worldly idolatry, where worldliness creeps in, and and worldliness is the thinking. It's the mindset, and man that this this whole thing this the thinking and the mindset of the world that is at war with god is worldliness so if god tells me to be joyful and sorrow comes in and things begin to begin to educate me and begin to advise me in sorrow then that is a worldliness that's coming against the very nature of god Worldliness can come in all kinds of fashions, but Israel fell into idolatry and worldliness, and they did evil, it says, in the sight of the Lord. So God delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So because they left God and they broke their covenant with him, he kept his covenant. So when we see these things in the Bible— we're not to look at it and be like, oh, God was being mean to them there. No, God made a promise and said, if you do these things, then you will do well and prosper. But if you don't do these things, then this is going to be the consequence. Now, if God said that and didn't keep his word, it would create complacency, which we talked about last week. Because complacency says, oh, God won't do good or evil in my life. He has to keep his word. And if he says, don't do evil and don't have idols, or there will be a curse that comes upon you, then when we do evil and have idols, then the curse has to come because it's God's word. It's actually for our benefit that he keeps his word. All right. So the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel for seven years. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown seed or planted a harvest, the Midianites would come up and they would destroy it. And the Amalekites, the people of the East, would come against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce, the things they just worked really hard to, to work for. They would come and destroy all of it. They were not good neighbors, right? Right? They would leave no substance for Israel, no sustenance for Israel, no sheep, no oxen, no donkeys, verse five, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would be as numerous as the locusts and their camels were without number and they would enter to the land and completely raid it and destroy it. And Israel had nothing. They couldn't get any momentum going. I'm talking to us today. Every time they felt like there's momentum, the enemy would come in and steal it. Every time that they would plant a harvest. Now, now how long did it take for them to, to, to plant and sow and water and till the ground and do all this stuff before the fruit came? And the Midianites would just stand there and watch them work for months. Look at them tilling the fields. That's right. They're tilling the fields and we're going to go down and we're going to destroy it. And they're watering. They're planting seed. They're doing all this work. And the Midianites would just watch to torment them and let them work and they begin to celebrate. They would probably bring offerings before God. Hey, the ground is producing fruit. God, we bring you an offering. Thank you for the fruit. It's beginning to break up from the earth. And as it begin to produce fruit, the Midianites would come down and just destroy every bit of it. And they'd have to start all over again. Does this sound familiar? They would have to start from scratch. All right, we're going to till the ground up. All right, yeah, the Midianites are going to watch. They're, they're going to come down. Uh, it's all right, we have to do this. We have to have food to eat. We have to produce this. And they would do the whole thing. And the Midianites, the Amalekites, the people from the east, every one of their enemies would come down and destroy their crops every single time. How frustrating of a life would that be? The tormentor, the oppressor. So Israel was greatly impoverished. They were completely impoverished because of the Midianites. And guess what Israel did? Verse six, the last line of verse six. So the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Everyone say they cried out to the Lord. Lord. This is why when God tells us, if you listen and obey, you will prosper. But if you don't listen and you don't obey, then oppression can come and torment will come. This is why God has to keep his word. Because sometimes it's the oppression and it's the torment that causes us to cry out for what God wants to have for us. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, because of their enemies, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. Come on. Everyone say a prophet. A prophet announces something. It pronounces something. And this prophet comes to them and he says, this is what the Lord, of, the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt. Come on. He's reminding them of their history with God, their covenant, and how God keeps his covenant. And he's reminding them that God keeps his covenant and that they broke their covenant. And the way back is to reissue the covenant. Everybody still with me? I brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all those who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and I handed you their lands. Come on. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not listened to my voice. You did not obey my voice. He's explaining to them, this is happening because of a choice that you've made. If you will change your choice today, if you will choose differently, the oppressor will go away. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under a terebinth tree, which was in Orpha, Oprah, <laughs> and you get a car, and you get a car, while his, son was, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So see there, he was being very wise. He wasn't scared. He just knew if I do this, they're going to come and destroy the work that I do. So I'm going to do it in hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you. Come on. He's with you. We've been hearing this theme. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Right? And then he tells him, he he affirms him. You are a mighty man of valor. Come on. How awesome is that? And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, then why has all of this stuff happened? Why every time we've, we work so hard to till the ground and sow the seed and water the seed and care for it and fertilize it, and it grows up and starts to produce fruit, and every single time the enemy comes and steals our fruit from us, and we have to start over. So if you're with us, then why is this stuff happening? I've said this a few times lately. Lord, I know you're with me. You're so close. I feel you. I know you love me. I hear you say you love me. I feel so loved by you. But how come if if you're with me, how come every time we make breakthrough here, the stupid oppressor and the tormentor comes in and he chops off all the work and the progress and it feels like I'm starting over from scratch. And what it does is it makes me, Lord, have I broken a covenant with you somewhere? And I'm crying out for for you to come and rescue me. Bring breakthrough, God. How long will this go on? How long will we fight and hit this wall? Maybe it's in personal life. Maybe it's in business or finance or relationships. How long will I make progress just to get chopped back down again? If you're with us, then how come this is happening? And where are all the miracles? which our forefathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. Now, this is a lie, but this is how he feels. Our feelings will lie to us. See, the Lord knew where they were, but the Lord has forsaken us and he's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Go in this strength that you have that you don't realize how much strength you have. You don't realize that every time that you've sown and planted and worked this field and seen it and you've been chopped back down and you did it again, that you are working out a muscle. Every time you started over and didn't quit, you were building up strength inside of you that you did not know you had. And it felt like he was forsaking you, but he's been building strength inside of you. And the reason the angel this is me, he could have said this. The reason that I know you have strength in you is because here you are hiding out where the enemy can't steal what you're doing. And you're a mighty man of valor. But you don't need that valor and that strength and that might to be hidden in a dark place somewhere. You need to get out in the daylight. You mighty man of valor, go in the strength that you have, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon replies to him, Oh, my Lord, every time, Oh, my Lord. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh, in my tribe. I'm the, we're the smallest clan in the smallest tribe. And I am the least in my father's house. Like, I'm not even anything special in any way. And the Lord said to him, Isn't this what the Lord says every time? I, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this again. Lord, I can't stand there. I can't do this. I can't answer for that. I can't, I can't give an account. I can't face this again. I'm so tired of this thing. I can't do it. And the Lord says, surely I will be with you. Come on. Don't say you can't do it. Don't feel like you can't do it. Because it's in that moment, he says, I will be with you. And it's true. I can't do it. We can't do it. But he can. Come on. And then he tells him. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Whoa. Gideon had a small thinking mindset. I'm the least. I'm the smallest. I'm not even the best in my father's house. So God breaks it down for him and tells him, you're going to deliver Israel because I'm going to go with you and you're going to do it as one man. There's no less number than one other than zero. And I'm going to do all of this with you, one person. So your excuse of being the smallest, the least, the less, whatever you want to fill in the blank doesn't work with God. Because remember, us plus God is a majority. So then he said to him, okay, if now I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign. I haven't even ever said that. I need a sign. (laughs) I just need something. I just need a little encouragement. I need a sign so that I will know that you're the one walking with me and that I'm not being deceived by something here. Do not depart from me here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out, of my, offering, uh, bring out my offering and set it before you. Now, they were impoverished, so this was an expensive offering for Gideon. Every time they produced something, the, in- the enemy destroyed it, so anything they had was precious. They rationed it. But Gideon had an encounter with God and says, okay, if it's really you, let me bring an offering to you out of my sacrifice, out of my poverty, out of my weakness. I'm going to bring you an offering. So he comes back. Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from, from a, an ephah of flour. The meal he put in a basket and he, brought, and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock. Look at the imagery again. Lay it on the rock. Cast all your cares, your anxieties, your worries, the, the oppression, the torment. Put it on the rock, all right? And pour out the broth. And so Gideon did that. And the angel of the Lord, put out the end of, his, of the staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared from his sight. And now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord, my God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, so he saw Jesus. Come on. He saw the angel of the Lord. If you do some study, Jesus appears throughout the Bible in different places. The angel of the Lord, this is a capitalized angel. It's not a lower, it doesn't say it's Gabriel. It doesn't say it's Michael. This is my understanding from studying the angel stuff that Jesus presented himself. Come on. He existed from the beginning of time. Before that, (laughs) he said, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. What is one of Jesus's names? Prince of peace. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it the Lord is peace. Everyone say the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom is what he called it. Would you say that? Jehovah Shalom. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord, our peace. Jehovah means the eternal existing one. Peace. I want to talk about peace for a moment. And as I say these words of what it means, I want it to release something in the atmosphere. Peace means completely whole. It means well. It means wholeness. It means soundness of mind. We've had quite a few occasions recently of of face-to-face encounters with demonic activity here in this house that you probably don't even know about. It's happened quite a few times recently. And the Lord's told us he's going to begin to bring us people that are tormented. And we're going to set the captives free. And they're going to have soundness of mind. Soundness of mind. Where, how many of you have ever, I've been in these places before where I felt like I couldn't control my thoughts. Like, oh my gosh, they're all over the place. And I just can't rein them in. The Lord is going to give you soundness of mind if that's you. That's not peace. See, what happens in that moment is my mind begins to race to every outcome and possible thing so that I can create peace that's fake. I need to know what I need to do. I need to create what are all the possible scenarios here. Because if I can think of all the scenarios on this subject, then I will have peace. But what it is, it's a trap. It is an actual trap of torment. And peace is soundness of mind, it means a place of rest it means where more my mind is under the authority of Christ and i don't have to figure things out i just need to listen and surrender to him i don't like he he opened up with it bring all of our petitions before the lord all of our thoughts all of our concerns bring it to god continually bring them before the lord and when we do that the peace of god which passes all understanding which is what we're looking for the peace of god will come and it's superior to understanding I bet everyone in here has a testimony in your life where God gave you a promise or did something and it did not make sense, yeah. but you felt peace on it. Yeah. Because there is a place where I can come to where the Lord says, do this thing. Boy, this really blew up, God. In every way possible, this blew up in my face. But man, I feel so peaceful about it. I, because God gives us peace that passes understanding. And the peace comes from, this, from the rest and from the obedience. So shalom means completeness, wholeness, soundness of mind. It means welfare or peace, like prosperity, so that you are doing well, that things go well for you. Again, as I say these, I'm, I'm praying that it releases something in the atmosphere and breaks something off of, off, of, off the, torment, the torment from your life. Because here's what I've learned in the, the few encounters recently, face-to-face with demonic activity. The person just wants peace. The person is a captive to a liar. And all they want is for the torment to go away and the oppression to go away. They don't have an evil heart. They've been taken prisoner. And they just want to be released. And so as I continue to say these words, if you're being tormented in this area uh, that's the opposite of peace, then the torment is going to be released from you free from torment, free from oppression, free from the oppressor. It means complete in number, safety, soundness of body, soundness of mind, soundness of body. We speak healing over your body right now. It's the peace of God that will be released over you right now that will heal you. Sometimes he comes with a sword. Sometimes it's his peace that heals. We release the peace of God to heal you. It's the quietness and the tranquility, it's contentment. Some people are, are struggling with being content. It's like, man, it's like nothing fully satisfies. It's like we go from, well, oh, that made me feel a little bit better for a while, and then I'm discontent again. And then that thing made me feel a little bit better for a while, and then I'm discontent again. The Lord wants to release you from the torment of discontentment. It's the tormentor that, that's causing this. He's stirring this up inside. Because every time we get discontent, we're, we're self-medicating. Yeah. <sighs> And we self-medicate in so many ways. It's, it's, it's not always medicine or alcohol or drugs or fill in the blank. We self-medicate to fill that empty space, that, that, that want for contentment. We fill it with whatever will take away uh, the moment of discontentment. We'll fill it. And the Lord wants to release you from that. You don't have to find the thing to bring contentment. He'll give you contentment. Peace in human relationships. I needed this one. You got any relationships that are in turmoil? Anyone? The peace of God will come and release you from the torment of tension in your relationships. I don't know if it's marriage, if it's friendship, if it's father, mother, son, daughter, that stuff, or people you work with. It's torment when you're in a bro- broken relationship. Every time you're around that person, like, both of you want things to be better, but both of you are still holding on to something, and both of you still practice to stay the safe distance to protect yourself in whatever way because it doesn't feel safe, and that's a tormenting way to live. I've, I've had even conversations where I'm like, we both want the same thing. Why are we staying distant? We both really want to be close. Why are we pushing each other away? It's tormenting. It's tormenting. The Lord wants to heal and bring peace to your human relationships right now. He wants to heal your friendship and your covenant with God to bring peace. Some people struggle believing that they are in right relationship with God. Some people just keep facing that thing. Maybe in this room. Like It's the lie of the enemy that says, oh yeah, you're really not close to God or you really don't belong to him. You're not a daughter, you're not a son. And he just throws that in your face every now and then just to set you off, to torment you. Oh, You start to, to, to till the ground up and sow some seed and water and some plants start to come up and he comes in and torments in, in one of these things. He waits and he watches you work and he sees your progress and he waits for the most painful time to destroy everything you worked for, and I'm talking, <clears throat> talking out of right now personal experience. Just <sighs> yet, I've seen the Lord bring peace. So I'm, 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 I'm seeing this, in so many people, been dealing with a, fr- a friends. That's been tormented, just tormented, talking with him all week. And I'm just looking at all the things that he needs to be whole. Like he needs counseling. He needs salvation, deliverance. He he needs so many things. He needs a father. He needs disciples. But he needs peace. I feel it from you. I feel some of you in the room that you're saying, that's me. I need peace. I am so tired of this. This cycle. (laughs) The Lord met with Gideon when Gideon thought he was weak and he told him, no, you're actually strong. So if you're here and you've been struggling with any sort of lack of peace and you feel small and weak and insignificant, I want to remind you and tell you, no, you've been building up strength that you don't know you have yet. You are strong and you are a mighty man. You are a mighty woman. Stand firm. Don't stop. Don't give in. The tormentor is a liar. I hate the devil more than I ever have in my life because he torments people that I love. And he tries to torment me and I hate him for it. Come on. But Jehovah Shalom, the existing eternal God of peace, will come. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will come into our lives. Come on. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you've been needing peace, I want you to come up to the front. We're not going to pause. We're not going to wait around. If you need the peace of God to come right now and flood over you, I believe that as you come forward, he's just going to rest on you. Yeah, come on. If you need the peace, oh, yes, we release the peace of God. (laughs) We release the peace of God. We rebuke the tormentor right now. We make war with the tormentor. We drive you out, Satan. You are a liar. You are a liar. (laughs) You're a liar. Yeah, come on. If you're in your seats and if you're not praying personally, would you just stretch your hand and just pray, peace of God, come. If you feel called to come pray for someone great, you don't have to say anything other than just rest the peace of God on them. May the peace of God rest upon you. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our healer through peace, the soundness of mind through peace healer of human relationships through peace the one who drives out the tormentor with peace Thing and then we'll we'll turn we'll, we'll, we'll uh, turn the stream off and talk just for a second. But do you know someone who's oppressed by the by the enemy? Do you know someone who is tormented? And someone came to your mind, now I want you to pray for them. Jesus wants to set them free, and He's anointed you and He's anointed me to set captives and prisoners free. We're not going to wait for someone else to do it. He called us to release him. If I walked by someone who was drowning, I wouldn't think for a second, do I stop and save them? I would just jump. I wouldn't even think. Cold water, hot water, it doesn't matter. I jump in, right? All of us would save them, help them. That person's drowning, and we have the answer. So, Jesus, we bring these people to you right now, the people that came to our minds We will look for an opportunity this week to be a life preserver, to set them free, to release them from the torment so that they're not drowning, God. That tears can be turned to joy in their life. God, we accept the call that you've anointed us to release captives and prisoners. That you've put your word inside of us to release captives and prisoners and we carry the solutions. That you've been building a strength inside of us over time that's there that we didn't know was there. But God, we've been called to set captives and prisoners free. Here's how I want you to think about it. A captive did nothing wrong. They were innocent and they were taken captive by an evil thing or person. A prisoner actually did something wrong. And Jesus said we get to set captives and prisoners free, guilty and innocent. We get to set them free. So, God, we release him into freedom right now in Jesus' name. This will be a house of freedom, a house of deliverance, a house of peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Those that are watching at home, we bless you with peace in your home. May your home be filled with peace. May the Prince of Peace, may Jehovah Shalom rest on your house.